Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Stephen, your host. This week, we are continuing to pass the mic and share our platform with the Tour for Diversity in Medicine. We have an incredible panel lined up. This week, we're talking about overcoming barriers. If you're interested in a career in the health professions or doing anything challenging in life, you're going to have to overcome some barriers. And that's what we are here to talk to you about today. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. The incredible panel, we're welcoming back to the show, Dr. Zitalo Brown and Dr. Slobanani. They have been uh, with us previously. And we have Dr. Alden Landry, he's an emergency medicine physician out of Boston. And another voice you will likely recognize, Dr. Nee Darko. He is the host of the Docs Outside the Box podcast with his wife, Renee. And he is here moderating this episode. I really enjoyed listening in and listening a second, third time while I edited this podcast episode. So, so excited for you to listen in. Hey, Steven. Thank you very much, man. Uh, so everyone, my name is Nee Darko. I'm a trauma surgeon. Um, we are joined by Dr. Alden. You want to let him know who you are real quick, man? Yeah, Alden Landry, uh, emergency medicine physician, one of the co-founders of Tour for Diversity in Medicine with uh, Cameron Matthews, uh, who was on an earlier podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. We're going to have this conversation about overcoming barriers and, you know, Nee, you're going you're gonna to take point and help us guide, guide us through this conversation. But just thinking about how far we go back and the barriers we overcame starting from when we first met to today. I think this is just going to be a really interesting conversation we're going to have. So everyone who's listening, this relationship goes back as far as 2002, when we didn't even start med school yet. Technically, we were just like pre-matriculation type medical students. And um, from there, the relationship has just kind of continued to grow. And I've been really impressed with you all. So just before we start, I just want to give you props. So everyone, I started my podcast. I started my career as a podcaster on social media in 2016, but I got my first start working and interviewing people with the Tour for Diversity. I was one of the mentors, but they have a blog where they're interviewing other advisors, other mentors, and just kind of going to and documenting what their path is. It's called My Path. Um, And then after several years, I just decided, okay, let me start my own podcast that kind of follows that same path. So Alden, Dr. Alden, Tour for Diversity. I give you guys props because you guys really are the genesis of my podcast, Docs Outside the Box. So, Matt, props to you. That's awesome. I appreciate the love. Uh, and, you know, it's it's great because, at first off, I wasn't going to put the date out there, you know, or the year that we met because you're making us both look old. Um, look at that I'm, hair. We old, man. We old. Our lack of it. We old. Let's just claim it. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, we're going to talk about this in the course of this conversation about, like, overcoming barriers like none of this is planned, right? We, 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 when we started this off, we had ideas and we, we had a vision, but we kept coming across obstacles. And, you know, as we talk about our story, you're going to tell your story about the struggles you had. I'll tell my stories about the struggles I had, but it's great that you and I have been able to be on this journey for 20 years as a, as friends. 
um, to help each other through some of the struggles that we've had. And like you said, you got a tallow that's going to be joining us. Hopefully, you know, Dr. Love and is going to join us as well. Um, and so, you know, they have their own struggles. They've, we've worked with them through their struggles. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Yo, I think that's the key thing is everybody has their own struggle yet. We all persist. We all help each other out and we make it through. So this is for all those people who are listening and they're wondering, can I make it? What are the barriers that I got to get past? I'm the only person. I want everybody who's listening to know that you ain't the only one. We're here for you. Everybody goes through these things and we persist and we make it in some form of fashion. So let's let's start it off with when we when I first heard about Torfi Diversity from you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not Torfi Diversity, but it was the concept of Torfi Diversity. And I heard it when we were both third years. So we're talking about like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. when you're a pre-med. I think you're a pre-medical board member. Correct. And you're telling me and telling Renee about this. And we're like, man, what? I don't know what you're talking about. There's no way you're going to take this from your idea to actual it's happening. Yeah. So take us all the way back to why you even decided to create Tour for Diversity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great, great question. You know, when we originally started coming up with this concept for Tour for Diversity, you know, we were planning the SNMA Student National Medical Association. Shout out SNMA. Um, We were planning our Mm -hmm. national conference. And uh, Cam and I were, you know, chopping it up as we were preparing for the conference. And we started talking about how we wanted to get all these pre-medical students to come. And we recognized, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, we need to, you know, get these students here. What, you know, what are some of the issues that the students are going to have? And we started just listing some of the potential obstacles the students may have to come to the national conference. And we said, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people aren't going to be able to make it to the conference. How about we flip this on the head, on its head, and come up with a model to bring people bring the conference to people as opposed to bringing people to the conference. And so uh, we Which said- is like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, we, that, yeah. that makes no sense. It's yeah, the same I mean, thing as like saying someone, yeah, let's, one day you're going to let your daughter drive in the back of someone's car, you know, from a party, which is Uber, right? Like you don't, you don't think about it 20 years ago, but it's here. Same thing with your thing. Like what are you talking about? Take yeah. it to the pre-meds. Yeah. I mean, but if you think about it, what are the issues that people have when it comes to conferences? Scientific conferences are inherently expensive. You got to pay for your registration. You got to pay for your hotel, your travel, your food. You got to dress up fancy. I mean, all of these things, right? It's and like then one, it's the, like a $1,000 investment almost. Easy, easy. easy. And then you yeah. think about that. And then you think about how when you have these conferences, you know, people may be missing work. They may miss, miss school. You know, there's so much that goes into the disruption that happens around life, hoping that you're going to get the most out of the conference. And often many of those are just barriers to individuals participating. And so we said, hey, let's bring the conference to them. And uh, I just remember having conversations with y'all, you know, uh, Ni uh, and Renee and Brandy, who's been a longtime mentor with us, Brandy Freeman, uh, pediatrician out in, Chicago, uh, out in Colorado. We were having this conversation and I said, we're going to do this. We're going to bring this, uh, uh, create this uh, uh, tour where we're going to go to the colleges and talk to students about becoming doctors and dentists. And everybody thought we were crazy. Everybody said, no, this is not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Everybody said this isn't going to happen. And I remember when we started looking for funding, because one of the biggest obstacles is who's going to pay for this, right? Um, people, when we floated to funders, funders like, oh, this is an interesting idea. Because wait, let's let them know what you're paying for real quick. So you, you, you have to get people flown from their individual cities, right? Because yep. we know people... We're talking about bringing the doctors and the dentists and the pharmacists from all over the United States 
putting them on a bus. You have to use Mm -hmm. the same bus for seven days. You have to put them in a hotel Mm -hmm. for seven days. You have to have food, not only for them for seven days, but food for all the pre-meds who are there, Mm -hmm. right? What else am I missing? I mean, all of the just, uh, you know, the, 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 the small things that come up, like, you know, Print stuff out on paper, you know, having banners and flyers, doing the advertising, um, you know, uh, b- getting a logo, building a website. You know, all of these things are, are cost um, in addition to the big cost that you just listed. So we're talking tens of thousands of dollars to do this. And most importantly, you know, we came up with this idea when we were medical students. And so people were coming up to us saying, you know, this is a great idea, but you all are medical students. You haven't completed your journey. How are you going to tell people how to start their own? And so we were we had people doubting us just because of where we were in life and, you know, our, our academic titles and what we've accomplished. Um, and uh, they were the ones controlling the purse strings. And then we had, you know, uh, some early adopters, some friends who said, yeah, we're, we're right or die. We'll be right there with you. And honestly, that's what made us keep going with this, because we knew that once we convinced y'all that this wasn't a crazy idea. You know, y'all really said, hey, if, if you get the funding, I'll be on the bus with you. And uh, it was really great to get to get folks to say, yeah, we'll, we'll actually commit to this. Show me the plane ticket and I'll come. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People said, I mean, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, you ain't you ain't charging me to do this, are you? So, yeah. Hey, guys, we're also joined by Dr. Love Anani, ER physician extraordinaire. Dr. Love, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Nice to join y'all again. Hello to everyone on the Black Doctors Podcast. You know, I always one of the early adopters here. of Torify <laughs> Diversity. Yeah, that's how you get swaggy shirts. Well, I don't know. Yeah. See this oh, yeah. kind of like this dry fits when we we get on the bus early. They want to make sure you get all the nice swag. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's jump into. Oh wait, real quick, low key. So everybody who's listening, Doctor Love, I don't know if you remember when we first met, but we first met at uh, at Mayo Clinic. You probably don't remember me. But we first met at Mayo Clinic, where I think your school, I think Carleton College. Carleton College. Carleton College. Y'all came to our regional conference at Mayo Clinic. It was dope. Two of the uh, SNMA people at that time, Tony and, uh, oh, I'm blanking on my dermatologist's name in Houston. If you hear this, forgive me. Uh, They came, they actually came down to the school afterwards, too. And that's how I got into SNMA. I was like, okay, this organization is the truth. They're real. Um, So, yeah. Small world out there. You know, once you join the family, you're in the mafia mm-hmm. for sure. You, you, you're locked yeah. in. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we already started off kind of listening to how Dr. Alden and Dr. Cammy kind of came up with this idea. And everybody's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, when you <laughs> are going to build it, I'll be there for you. Um, meanwhile, everybody's like, yeah, this is never going to get off the ground and stuff. But it did. Um, you know, as someone who's been working with these pre-meds as an advisor, We've kind of been seeing this grow from the ground up. Like, what are some of the barriers that you think you faced trying to become, let's just say, get into medical school or even just be a doctor? What are some of the barriers that you've gone through? Oh, I think we have the obvious ones, right? The test taking gatekeepers that sit out there. Yes. Uh, So that MCAT barrier. Talk to us about that, man. So first and foremost, I think what everyone needs to decide out there to overcome that barrier is realizing that it's not the same for each person, Right. Uh, for one person, it may be a metal door. For someone else, it may be a titanium door. And for someone else, maybe a wooden door. Um, and for me, I realized, man, I went to a really good college, but I did not study well enough ahead of time. So in order to overcome that barrier, I knew I need to put in the time. 
uh, to study there. So I did not take the MCAT while in med school. I said, we're going to get this diploma, go home to mama's couch, uh, go home to the old bedroom, and we're going <laughs> to study there because that's what you need to do. So I actually had no job, was living on the couch, you know, back home in Houston. And I said, you need to study for this test. Um, so that was one barrier. And I thought that so was you, the So you finished one. school already? Finished school. I graduated, you know, diploma, you know, yay, yay, yay. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, I went home and I said, I need to do this. Okay, because I think a lot of people who are listening, that would be consistent with a non-traditional student, right? Which I think Alden, Love, you guys, we see that a lot in Tour for Diversity. These are the people that we see. The Did you doubt yourself at this point? Because now you're no longer in school. Like you said, you are basically, you know, trying to take this test. Did you feel a lot of pressure on yourself? Did you feel like if I don't, you know, I have nothing else to worry about but this test. Did you ever feel if I don't get this done, like that's the end of my dreams or anything like that? Yes. Especially coming home as, you know, oh, you're the son that went away to college in Minnesota. Uh, It's supposed to be a really good college. You're supposed to graduate knowing what you want to do. So I still had the doctor dream. I just didn't want to give up on that. But I also knew you have to take time to take this test. And I think one of those gracious things I had at the time was the friends and people you meet at SMA that said, hey, it's okay to be non-traditional. You don't have to graduate right out. And that's when I told myself, you know what? One year is not going to hurt you. And I said, you need to take that time. Alden, what about you? Like when you were going into, because I don't know you much, I don't know you at all before med school. Yeah. Was there any issues going from undergrad to med school, you know, applying, MCAT? What about any of those issues? I mean, so again, I'm in that same boat as as love with the MCAT. And I think we all, you know, have our um, Achilles heel when it comes to our application process. But I actually want to take it back a little bit before that um, into high school. Right. You know, because we talk about those uh, those gatekeepers and, uh, you know, you love described it as as a course or an exam. I actually had a teacher who was a gatekeeper. Right. And um, I think a lot of people who are pursuing careers uh, in the health professions often have individuals who are supposed to be there for support, for guidance, for advice in that formative educational stage who serve as their gatekeepers. And so my gatekeeper uh, was actually my AP Spanish teacher. Um, and I can, I promise you, I remember this story um, because I tell it all the time, but more importantly, I haven't heard um, it. I tell people, you hadn't heard this. I tell people this story all the time, especially when I'm talking to young pre-meds. So, you know, I, I did okay in high school. You know, I was, um, uh, you know, I was up, played football, took a bunch of AP courses. I was going to graduate, you know, near the top of my class. And um, it was towards the end of my senior year, senior year of, of high school. Me and my classmates were sitting around AP Spanish, uh, and it was just a handful of us in the course. Um, and we'd already taken the, the exam. And usually the teacher just did not let us speak English in the class. It all had to be in Spanish. But mm. we had already taken so the full course. immersion. Yeah, yeah. So we'd already taken the course, so uh, the exam. So, you know, we were just chilling. And somebody uh, started the conversation about where you're going to college and, and what you were going to major in. And everybody was talking about this. And I went to high school in Virginia. I'm a Texan, but I went to high school in Virginia because I'm an army brat. And um, we were talking and one of my classmates, oh, I'm going to UVA. I'm going to study art history. Oh, I'm going to uh, Georgetown. I'm going to study, you know, whatever they just said. 
And then I said, I, I'm going to Prairie View. And everybody was like, where's that? And I was like, oh, it's a HBCU, historically black college uh, outside of Houston. And I'm a biology major and I'm going to be pre-med. And everybody's like, oh, that's dope, you know. And, you know, uh, and then my teacher, he heard this conversation. And so after after class was over, he walked up to me and he said, Alden, Alden, Alden. And I came back over and he was like, you know, I heard what you said. I heard what you said. Uh, I'm, I'm really worried about you. You did you did good in the course, but, you know, I, you know, you said, I heard you said you're going to be pre-med. And I just don't know if you, you you're going to make it. Um, and in high school? In high school. This is what my AP Spanish teacher told me. He said, I don't, think, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to make it, you know, and are you sure this is what you want to do? And then he said, and I heard you were going to Prairie View. I've never heard of this school. Uh, you know, what, 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 are they, what is this about? And I said, well, Prairie View is, you know, as a, you know, top tier HPCU. Um, they have this amazing pre-med program called Pre-Medical Concepts Institute. I've done a ton of research. You know, I got a mentor down there already, you know, the, you know, Dr. George Brown, who, who advises students and helps them to get in the, in the medical school. And they have a pretty good track record of getting, you know, um, you know, uh, black students in, in the, into, into medicine. And he says, you know, you may want to think about another major and you may want to, you may want to think about a different school. And wait, that, hold on a second. Are you, it, I've never heard of yeah. this. I've never heard this story before. I've never heard like yeah. a gatekeeper like this in high school, in high school. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this wow. dude was salty. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was impressive. And I, I will tell you this. I will tell you this because I, 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 I don't want to just, just focus on and deliver uh, deliver this story the whole the whole discussion. Um, but I let him know, you know, afterwards because where was our first stop when we did tour for diversity in medicine? Hampton, Hampton, Virginia. <laughs> guess guess where I went to high school? Hampton, Virginia. Guess who got an invitation uh, to our first tour for diversity stop? Mm, so he knows. Did he, sh- he, didn't did he show, show up? up? He didn't show up, but he knows. <laughs> See, he I knows. wish I had so- sound effects on this podcast <laughs> so we could be like, rolling up. Yeah. So he knows. That's crazy. He knows that I'm a doctor. Or he knew, you know, that was that was 10 plus years ago. But he knows that I'm a doctor. And just for all those listening, you're going to have gatekeepers out there that are family that are friends, that are your pre-med advisors, that are your high school counselors, um, whoever it may be. Get those people out your life because those are the individuals that be, will be some of the biggest obstacles that you have as you are going about your career. You know, sometimes I find like those gatekeepers, they want like the perfect candidate. Like it's almost like, you know, those gatekeepers that I'm talking about specifically, like the pre-medical board member, excuse me, the pre-medical um, advisors or someone else who's in the field that you want to go into, like rather than do the work and try to help mentor you if you're having struggles or you're, you're not quite, you don't quite fit like the typecast of someone who's going to get in like the first time or without any problems. It's almost like they don't want to spend the time. They don't want to do the work to really kind of help you along the way. So, um, for those, because I know you get a lot of people, both of you guys, during the tour, I've definitely encountered pre-med students who say that, like, how do they go around that? Like, how do they stay positive? And maybe they're not finding positive positivity from their advisor, or maybe not even positivity from someone else in their, you know, other folks in their um, other colleagues. How are they able to get around that and, and still move forward? Love, you want to go first? So the worst thing is, uh, you know, if you can't find someone around you, your people hating, your friends are hating, Go find new friends. And that's the beauty 
of the world today. You can go to an SMA conference. You can yeah. go to a tour meeting. You can hop on Reddit. They have subreddits for everything that we won't even get into, but you can find like, you know, people like you who can help big up your dreams, Facebook groups, uh, whatever you need to do. You can find people who will help big up your dreams. Dr. Alden. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause I, first off, I think, you know, you remember a couple months, a couple years ago when like hashtag squad goals was a thing. And that was like the big, big, uh, you know, thing on, in, on Instagram and, and whatnot, everybody talking about who their squad was. I mean, we had a squad, right? I had my squad from Prairie View and I still keep in touch with that squad. I mean, these are doctors, dentists, you know, not everybody's in medicine, but you know, we were, we all came into college together and we work hard, play hard. And so having that squad, um, together at the early, at that point was really important. Um, but one of the things that I tell students now, um, which comes, I think has just come with my maturity of just watching the process evolve of folks going from, you know, high school students with an interest in becoming a doctor to really devoting themselves to the process, uh, as undergrads is that family members often don't know about the entire process to become a doctor. Right. And yeah. so, if your that's mom, what I was going to say as the next barrier. I was going to yeah. ask that question. Next. Yeah. Go so ahead. if your if your parents don't know what it takes, and then all of a sudden you're coming home your freshman year of college, and you're like, "Hey, mom, I got to go do this summer program, uh, and I'm going to be you know away for six weeks, and it's going to pay me pennies on the dollar, but this is what's going to put me in the uh, position to succeed." They're going to be able to support you a lot better than if you just come in and you're complaining because you're broke and you have to go do this program. Or if you're studying for organic chemistry or physics or calculus or, you know, some other advanced biology course and, you know, you're having a tough semester, your parents are going to be like, oh, you need to switch and do something different because this sounds like you're struggling. Uh, As opposed to saying, hey, how can I help you get through this rough patch? Um, And so when you explain to them what you are going through, your family is able to better support you. And so I think a lot of people fail to do that, which is engage your parents, tell them what you're going to be going through, tell them how they can better support you, uh, as opposed to trying to pull you out, thinking that they need to rescue you from this 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 gauntlet that you're going to be experiencing as you're trying to become a doctor. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, when they are either first generation or the first ones to go through college, you know, there's this... Um, they're trying to keep up appearances, so to speak, and they don't want to let their parents know or they don't want to let their other family members know that, you know, it's difficult or they're struggling or they don't know which way to go. And then as a result, if they tell their family, their family may lose faith, may not be, you know, they may be let down. Maybe mom and dad are working extra jobs to kind of make that tuition payment and so forth. And, um, you know, they go into isolation and you kind of know how this story goes. We've heard it so many different different ways. But I, I think that's a really good point is just engaging with your parents, engaging with your family members and asking them to help. Like I've, I've definitely heard that a lot. Like nobody in my family is a doctor. So there's no way that I can be a doctor. Um, and maybe even finances. Talk about finances. Have you heard anybody say, well, you know, I don't have that much money to apply. I don't have that much money, um, to even like, I can't even afford med school. What about that? Have you guys ever heard that as, as being a barrier? Yeah. I mean, we hear that all the time. And I mean, you think about the cost of the process to become a doctor, right? You think about everything from not just being a college student, um, but, you know, what are you doing during those summers? Like, I know a lot of my friends in college, they worked during the summer because they needed that money from those three months off in the summer to help them 
subsist over the course of the nine months that they were in college, right? And so if you're a pre-med, you aren't necessarily working. You may get a stipend from the research that you're doing or the program that you participated, but this is not the same amount of dough that you would get if you were working even a minimum wage job. You're just not going to be able to pull down that same amount of dough, right? And then all the other things that come along with the application process to medical school, you know, the test-taking services that you you may have to pay for. Um, because guess what? You know, exam crackers, Kaplan, and Princeton Review, they ain't giving their stuff away for free or cheap. You know, they're, right. they're, they're there. That's a business. They're trying to make money. And so, you know, if you're a student and you need those sort of resources to, to apply, you're going to be accruing, accruing that debt. And then the application process itself to get into medical school is not cheap, whether it's the application, uh, the, the MCAT, um, you know, traveling for interviews, if, if that's going to be a thing again, you know, in this post-pandemic world that we're, we're going to be going into, um, the secondaries, all of those things come at a cost. And that's assuming that you're going to go straight through. But how many of these students that we talk to are those non-traditional students, you know, where they take a two, you know, one or two years off and they're doing, you know, maybe a graduate school degree uh, to boost up their application or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, you know, that all of that comes at a financial cost. So money is a huge obstacle for a lot of these students. Yeah. Hey, love, you want to chime on in? It gets to be. Oh, yeah. No, it gets to be so bad. Uh, that bum year, as I like to call, I was working for my aunt, you know, shout out auntie. Like almost like crowdfunding. And I was collecting way through. working for her. I'm talking about this is, you know, back. I was so much money. I think she paid me double digits, like 11 or $15 an hour or something like that. And I still wasn't meeting the cost of med school. Mind you, I'm paying no rent living at my mother's house. Yeah. And I still needed her every now. Like, oh, you're going to interview so-and-so. It's an extra hundred, you know, good job. Or like, needed that family slide to help pay for some of these things to get through. <laughs> uh, plane tickets, else like that. It was just a lot. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that I had the family support and think that's what everyone needs as well. Yeah, but I think, again, what Love is saying, right? You know, if you tell your family that you need this type of support, it's a lot easier for them to think about, hey, instead of, you know, planning a big graduation party, we're going to save some of that dough and help them with the application to medical school. Or, you know, instead of saying, hey, you need to come home this summer, they're going to send you a care package and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, put something on the books for you so you can have some money in the bank, right? So you could you could get to groceries that week as opposed to, you know, telling you to come home uh, for the weekend. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, if you tell your family what you need from a financial standpoint, hopefully they can support you. Now, not everybody's going to be in that same situation, but, you know, it's really helpful when you have family members who are aware so they can help you out from a financial standpoint. Hey, it's Steven, host of the Black Doctors Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn. They are a sponsor of the Black Doctors Podcast, and we're thankful for them investing in our mission. TrueLearn is a company that specializes in test preparation. They provide a data-driven approach to help students prepare for their examinations. They provide resources for those in the medical licensure exam process, or the Comlex, the USMLE, and even for physician assistants. And they also provide resources for subspecialty exam prep. Specifically for those in medical school, they offer individual NBME subject exam smart banks, and they cover the rotations that include neurology, emergency medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics, surgery, OBGYN, family medicine, and internal medicine. Eight 
different subspecialties. As a special bonus for those of you that listen to the show, TrueLearn is offering a discount. To receive that discount, visit their website. When you sign up for one of their products, use the code BDPODCAST. So Black Doctors Podcast. There's also going to be a link in the show notes. Check that out. Everybody loves saving money. And now let's get back to today's episode. Three, two, one. All right, guys, before we jump into the next question real quick, we got Dr. Italo Brown, who is an amazing emergency medicine physician out in Stanford, out in California. Dr. Italo, what's up, man? What you doing? I am driving into work, man. I've been uh, enjoying the conversation and uh, it's just an honor to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. I've been a uh, guest a couple of times, but more than anything, Tour for Diversity in Medicine has been a constant uh, fixture in terms of my medical journey over the last, I would say, maybe like eight or nine years now. So how long how long was your journey from from, let's say, from college to where you're at now? How long is that journey? So uh, I would say 17 years. 17 years of just hard work. You applied to medical school multiple times, right? Yeah, man. Okay. You took the MCAT how many times? Yeah, multiple failures, 140 of them. Mm -hmm. MCAT three times. MCAT three times. And then now you are taking care of people when they're at their worst, when they're at their most vulnerable. You are all over literature for emergency medicine. You are one of the, the best and brightest, which is really amazing. But we also hear something in the background also. So... We want to know that this is worth it. So t- tell us, tell us what you pushing in the background. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm driving a, an Audi S5, man. It's a it's a nice car, but you know this is a downstream benefit of just like sowing those seeds and really being committed to uh, a dream. That's what I would call seventeen it. years, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. It ain't nothing compared to which I push. Yeah, I mean, you're basically the epitome of this of this of this conversation that we're having, right? So Yeah, and I I'm honestly I'll say this. You have to have those ugly, unsightly moments. Uh, I think that it keeps you humble. Cars like this don't mean anything. What means a lot is realizing that like you gained character through those those moments, the things that Love talked about, the things that Alden talked about, and you as well. So, I mean, I just like the fact that I can get somewhere reliably now. <laughs> In style. <laughs> In style, with air conditioner. <laughs> In style. So, r- real quick, because I think I really want to get, take us back to that time when you are failing the MCATs multiple times. Right? What was getting you through from one test to the next test? Uh, tell us about that time real quick, because that's, that's, that's heavy. So, so Love called it his bum uh, moment or phase. I call it like when you live in the couch crease. When it's like your face is just like smashed in the crease of the couch every day because you like don't really feel like you are at your strongest. And the frustration that comes with trying to like approach an exam, you already know essentially what it's coming with. You know about the stress and it's still difficult for you. So like that frustration and, and the constant rebuilding of your own self-confidence was the biggest, uh, the hardest part. Uh, and another hurdle, honestly, is just that, you know, trying to rewrite uh, generational curses. You know, I think you said this earlier about family, uh, people not coming from families where they had physicians and, and realizing that, like, you know, this is on your shoulders. So the weight or the burden of the exam, the gravity of it is so much more significant. Uh, so really just piecing through that anxiety uh, over and over and over again. And then, you know, eventually on the third time, uh, it clicked and it came down to understanding how I learned, being a little bit more dedicated in terms of sleep hygiene and, and mm-hmm. not making up any excuses. 
just realizing mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a part of the process. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to actually have to uh, find a way to dig deep and then show that grit. And then when you see the test, let it look in your eyes and see no fear. So how, how do you learn? What, what was it that you discovered about yourself and how you learn? I'm an auditory learner. You know, I, we didn't have podcasts and cool stuff like this when I was studying for the MCAT. Essentially, it was just like, yo, you can read this book. You can uh, go in a study group and then kind of like redraw all the stuff. But it was really the, the vocal tones. I can remember the lyrics to probably six or seven Nas albums. I can remember <laughs> a whole bunch of other stuff that I don't even need to know. But if you showed me, you know, the text, I wouldn't remember it. I didn't have a photographic memory. So I had to get through the audio portion. So you were able to, so you used like audio versions of like what question, or excuse me, of, uh, of subject matter and stuff or. I would record myself saying the content and listen to it. Mm. It's almost like that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode. Exactly. It was like, I mean, I hate to say it was like making little rhymes to myself, but using mnemonic devices, remembering that, right. watching movies. And so that the, the movie moments, the auditory cues in the movie moments with what I was watching or looking at created a, a tethered moment so I could remember it. And I was like, oh, you know, it was like when I was watching this particular movie. Oh, that was the concept that I remember learning at that time. So it's just all these different tools I was uh, piecing together. So I think I think that really underscores like the whole notion that I think we all belong here. It's just that we study different. We look different. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have our own little story, our own little way of making our little story here as physicians or as dentists or as, you know, pharmacists or whatever it may be. We all can make it. It's just that we have our own way of doing it. So, you know, we talked about finances and loans and, um, you know, trying to figure out how can we crowdfund our way into getting into some of these test taking uh, courses and, you know, paying for the MCAT and so forth. There's also scholarships out there, people, um, a quick internet search. You can, you know, hopefully find some ways that you can pay for these things. Let's jump into like knowledge. Did any of y'all, like maybe once you got into medical school, did you ever think that, okay, do I even have like the brain power to yeah. get through this point? Was that ever a barrier for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. I think that's something we really need to unpack. Um, you know, we have these conversations about, um, the sort of having a sense of belonging and feeling as if you deserve to be in medicine, right? In in medical school. Like once you get in, someone's gonna be like, Oh, yeah. Oh, we made a mistake on you. Yeah. Yeah. You how, out. How, yeah. Oh, we 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 messed up. Uh that application wasn't actually that that acceptance letter wasn't meant for you. Um <laughs> You know, I, we all have that imposter syndrome that creeps up into our back of our brain. It's a gnawing, nagging feeling. It's annoying as heck, right? You're like, you know, you always feel like you're a faker or you're a fraud and somebody's going to find out, right? And it's just, you're you're living in a house of cards and one day it's all going to fall down. And I, I, I hate, I hate that feeling, right? Um, and um, because if you think about what imposter syndrome does to you, you know, it minimizes your own self-worth, Um you you undermine yourself and you don't recognize all the accomplishments that you've made in this process. And uh, it can really be a hamper to you when you're trying to go for more because you have that self-doubt before you are even in a position for somebody else to say no. You're saying no and not applying. You're saying no um, and saying that this this opportunity isn't for me, not because you're not qualified, because you are doubting yourself. And, uh, yeah. you know, this I, is a conversation in your head, y'all. It is. It is. 
And when you have that imposter syndrome, uh, it really can undermine your career. It, it can it can make you not apply for the things that you deserve. You're you're not applying for that grant or that scholarship. You're you're not applying for that uh, really competitive school or that residency program that you want to go into. Um, you you're not putting yourself out there for that leadership opportunity that you know you would be great at. When you do that, uh, you don't get the the career fulfillment that you ultimately want to have. And so we all need to address this imposter syndrome. And I'll be the first to admit this is this is something that plagued me early on in my career because I I was different, right? I was I was a young black dude coming from an HBCU, and I went to a medical school where it was majority white, and I did not fit in. They were there was a bunch of frat boys and and uh, uh, sorority girls in in my med school class, and that wasn't me. You know, I was. Uh, I, 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 I played the game different than they did. And when you don't feel like you fit in, uh, you feel like that imposter. And so, you know, now, now that I'm in a different stage of my career, I, I feel like I can bring my whole self to work. And that includes me wearing a pair of Jordans to, to a business meeting. Right. Um, because it's not about what, what I look like is what I'm bringing to the table and how I'm going to, how I'm going to address the issue at hand that we're talking about. And, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable in those Jordans, but I also can deliver a message that needs to be done. Um, but it took, it took ones, there. twos, which uh, ones? you know, I'm, I got ones, I got some threes, uh, 12s and 13s are probably the ones that are my heaviest rotation. They're real, right? Oh, of course. Man. Wanna... Come on. I mean, yeah. And okay. I don't do that. The creases stock. are bent or nah, the creases bent nah, or no mids. Don't okay. come at me about the I mids. I just had to check yeah, you yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah. 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 I'm, okay. I rock the OGs. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Tallow, before you go into your, your shift, you want to chime in on this? Man, I think that he hit the nail on the head with that uh, talking yourself out of something that you know you can do. Um, it, it's I, I keep bringing it back to self-confidence and, and realizing that this entire medical process is like academic rugby, man. Like you go through this mm. stuff and you, you just have to absorb. I haven't heard that before. That's that's interesting. As many hits as possible. And after a while, you're like, man, like, am I even? Oops, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the whip. No. <laughs> <laughs> flexing <laughs> after a while you have to just like embrace that you're built for it and the hard part is like how much time are you losing trying to get to a place where you're convincing yourself consistently that you can do it? and what if it was unlocked from the very beginning and you never fell into that space in the first place like how much further could you have gone how much more work could you have done how much more how many more lives could you have affected so, I mean, I lose sleep over that because I knew how bad imposter syndrome really, really, uh, I guess, chipped away at my core. Mm-hmm. And, and I think now where I'm in a place where I can help people uh, at least acknowledge the presence of their imposter syndrome and then try to champion them uh, in terms of like their abilities and get them out of that space. I see that, like, you know, it's one, not just a fake or make believe construct. It's real. And what's even more real is the way someone comes out on the tail end of it. If they acknowledge it early and they can address it, you see it unlock something in them that is truly miraculous. So I just I've been you know, blessed to have folks around me remind me of the way that it felt. And so I just am more invigorated to try to help people unlock themselves. So before I ask Dr. Love, everyone, Dr. Love is from a Nigerian background. So I know knowledge or doubt in the doubt in himself was not an issue but go ahead and chime in if you had any issues whatsoever with that first and foremost my whip doesn't beat when i back up if i hit something i'm just gonna hit it uh so i you know that, that is a little mini flex 
But you are correct, Dr. Nee. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Going into med school, like once I got through that MCAT and I was in the room, because again, I went to Howard University College of Medicine. It's, it's, it's all black. So it's like imposter syndrome doesn't creep in that much on day one because you're really there just like chilling and happy with everyone. When it crept in is when that email came from Dean Hassan, like, hey, you have not passed two blocks in order to make it to second year, you need to retake one of the blocks in summer school in your first year. And I was like, oh, I thought I was good. You know, I got my people. I got my study crew. Mm. I'm, have, I'm a class officer. I'm out here doing things and, you know, with my entire school running for office in second year. But you're telling me I need to retake the class that everyone else passed. Maybe I'm not good enough. Should I just give up and leave now? Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to go to summer school, but who's heard of medical school, summer school? I, I must not be able to do what I want. I, I'm going to be a fake doctor when I graduate. I never heard of that. Exactly. I never heard of that either, just so you know. Yeah. So I'm sitting Until there. Until, you know, we find out. Until we find out. So I'm sitting there, and this is where my syndrome kicks in. Is like, I should just stop. I should just give up. And I told myself, but why? If it's an option then that means I can do it. And if you can do it, if you believe in yourself, then just go do this thing and get it over with. You know, people have fallen down before. It's about getting back up. I, I You can name the greatest in whatever sports you want. I can tell you the day and the event they took an L, all right? Jordan may have six straight championships, but he was taking mighty L's before uh, Pippen came along. Um, you know, R.I.P., uh, Bill Russell, he just passed. He's an yeah. 11, you know, 11, 13 time champion, but he didn't win every single game. You, you take L sometimes. And I had to learn that was my first one. And then it happened again. But every time I every time it happens, I doubt myself more. But then I re surround myself with people like this in order to dust off the imposter syndrome. I feel the greatest tool we have is somebody else reminding you that you're not an imposter or buying Jordans one or the other. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned that about taking an L because I definitely think that my L's have made me better, mm-hmm. have made me stronger because um, I applied to medical school twice. Um, and <clears throat> the first time that I was applying, I thought that if I got in, I would, you know, be the one who would finish last in my class, but at least I graduated and I finished. Um, you know, I kind of just thought that I would just kind of flunk my way through, which if you understand what I'm talking about, like there's no such thing as flunking your way, but I just figured I'd be the last one to finish. But, you know, that two years off and then getting into medical school made me so hungry and so a little bit upset that I had to take two years off that, you know, I hit the ground running. I hit the ground hard. And I, I had my L's. There was a couple of quizzes that I that I flunked on and so forth. But the key thing that that I think we all want everyone to know is that we all going to you're going to hit potholes. And oftentimes when you hit those potholes, we should be appreciating them. We should be relishing them because it makes us better. Mm-hmm. When you're going through it, you don't really appreciate it. But when you look back and take the time, you realize, oh, it made me a better person. It made me a better studier. It made me more compassionate. It made me empathetic because that's how medicine is, everyone. Medicine is never as straightforward as you think it's going to be. Everybody doesn't follow the textbook. Patients don't do that all the time. There are times when you're going to have wins, hopefully more wins than, than um, you know, losses or, or patients that are not going to make it through. But ultimately, you have to pick up, move on, and do the next best thing for your patients. So um, let's, let's end this with this one last thing, and let's um, get into it. 
being right now, we don't have any black women on here. Um, but just from a minority standpoint, being black men, black males, we know that there is a paucity of black men in medical school, in residency, and out in there practicing in whatever field it may be. Thoughts on that? Did you guys ever look at that as a barrier? I know Dr. Alden, you're talking about wearing Jordans and uh, Dr. Love, you know, you're doing your thing. Um, talk to us about that. Did you ever focus on that? Was that ever an issue? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, just to take it back again to, to college, because I think a lot of this stuff, you start to pay attention to it when you you get out of high school and you start to uh, really think more critically about what's next uh, for your in, for your advancement from a career standpoint. And so I did this program called Pre-Medical Concepts Institute at, at uh, Prairie View and a phenomenal experience. Uh, there were 35 people in the program, 29 women, six men. Right. And I still, yeah. this was, this was years ago, right? We didn't start talking about this problem mm-hmm. until 2014, 2015, 2016. Uh, this was when I was a freshman in college. So well before, before that. And so I saw so six. This is 98. Ni- 99, 99. 99. Yeah. So I saw six brothers yeah. and 29 of our sisters in this program. And, you know, when you see it then, and then you do other programs and you see it at that stage. Um, it was, it's, this is, this is a, you know, this is a prevailing problem. This isn't something that just popped up overnight. Um, and so, uh, to see this at that stage, uh, it was disheartening. Um, but, um, you know, even today, right. Yeah. I'm working with, uh, trainees and I just don't see a lot of, you know, men of color, um, black men in particular, um, pursuing, uh, advanced education. Um, and I think it's a big problem. We got to figure out how to address it. And it's not just, you know, tell them to apply, but, you know, figure out why, why we're not in the field, why we're not passionate about the field. Uh, or if we are passionate, why we're not, why we're not advancing at the same degree as our sisters and that why, uh, and as the rest of the, the, the country with those individuals who are interested in pursuing. So, um, this is a huge problem. We, we really need to, you know, just start to unpack uh, some of these issues, put some real thought into our our, our education system. Um, we need to think about why, you know, there's some studies out there that show that, you know, black boys go from being, you know, cute and fun at in kindergarten to by third grade teachers seeing them as threats, right? And what's happening from an educational standpoint, if our young black boys are being viewed as threats and not getting those educational opportunities uh, at that age, or why, you know, our, 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 our black students aren't being referred to, you know, advanced uh, education programming and, and getting put in, into pre-algebra in middle school uh, as opposed to having to wait until to college because we know that early exposure to STEM is something that's clutch and it's really going to help people. So, um, you know, when they're, when they're trying to pursue a career in the health professions. And so I think we really need to unpack what's going on in that, in that, that K through 12 space. Uh, we need to think about what's happening at the college level. We need to think about what's happening um, at that admissions level and, and why there are so many barriers to uh, to black men going into medicine. And stats show that um, whether you're from, whether you're a woman or man or, and you're African-American or even from a minority background, you're more likely to go into underserved populations. Yeah. So it's a national problem. Yeah. It's not even just a problem within um, black men and black women, it's a problem for the nation, right? If you don't have people come who are going to go into underserved neighborhoods, you're going to have an even worse problem. So, um, Dr. Love, any thoughts on you being a black man, um, being in, in medicine, whether in college, yes. med school, residency, or even now? 
first and foremost, so nobody blows up the comments section. Uh, if you skipped over an episode, the Tour for Diversity had another episode that was all female. So, you know, hopefully no one thinks we excluded our sisters from here. Never that. Never ever that. Um, but I think this is so multifactorial. And I'll go back to the Howard example because I constantly use that. Walking into that room, 1008, as you know, as we call it, it's a giant kind of like auditorium on day one. And, you know, you see all these people of color, but yes, dominated by women. And, you know, all the brothers had all the questions going in and out every single year. And one of the things I'm kind of leaning on, maybe I need to run a study on it. I think when it comes to, you know, African-Americans, people of color, medical school is seen as this huge obstacle. You know, we're talking about overcoming barriers and it's seen as this nigh impossible thing to obtain. So I feel like a lot of people decide, all right, I can go to nigh impossible routes. I can go to medical school or I can, you know, try to, you know, conquer this business realm or the sports realm or something like that. And people feel they're better acclimated for that. So maybe that's why they get steered away. But, you know, as we're talking about on this podcast, the barriers to overcome medicine, we have that playbook already. And I wish that message would get out there is you don't have to go this other route. If you don't mind reading this book, studying and just grinding a little hard, you can make it to med school. No, I don't make Steph, Steph Curry money. But I also didn't have to put up as many shots as he did. You know, he had to do a lot of hard work, too. So we're not all physically inclined. Uh, so some of my brothers on the second string or uh, at the end of the bench, you the 13th man on the roster, you know, you can come over here, listen to this podcast, link up with the tour, and we'll get you over the barrier of medical school. That's probably more surmountable at this point. So look, man, guys, like this is this was really dope. Like, but I always like to send people off on a high. I think that's what we should do. That's what we always do in the tour for diversity. So, um, which let's let's do some parting shots. What's the one thing that you want to say um, to help the 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 women, the men who are listening to this show, and you know, help them get over the edge? Maybe they're struggling with whatever it may be. What is it that you want to say to them to help them to help them get over? I'll start. I feel like in today's society, nothing makes people more happy or more obvious than like a little mini flex of some sort to get people that passion to go through. So, you know, uh, I'm an emergency medicine physician. I am married. I have two kids. I have a PS5. My wife pushes an Audi. You got a PS5? I got a PS5 early, locked it in. You know, that can be a whole nother podcast. Uh, I have multiple TV screens above 50 <laughs> inches. Uh, my new car will hopefully arrive soon. You know, I'll, I'll flex that lucid when it gets on and like on a podcasting podcast. Toyota Corolla. <laughs> you know, I'm right on the Camry right now, but you know, the lucid hopefully is on its way. Um, and you can just Google the average emergency medicine salary. And mine's higher than that because I do leadership. So that's just saying, that, you know, hopefully we can listen to this podcast and again, think this journey is worth it because there's one thing I know from now on is my my sons and my wife, we ain't got to worry. That's all I got to say. I love that flex. And we'll just leave it at that. I love it. Alden, come on in. See, I'm I'm living a different life than y'all. I mean, uh, he lying, y'all. Don't listen to him. <laughs> different life. <laughs> lying, y'all. I'm not gonna let you get away with that. I, I'm, pu- I'm, push- I'm pushing the Toyota Sienna. 
Got them double slime doors. Got the moon. With the premium package, yeah, guys. Yeah, of course, of course. Don't you listen know. to them. We got the premium package. You got to have the kids watching movies in the background while we're driving. Um, I got four kids, right? So, um, what kind of rims on that premium package? Oh, Come man. On. Them 18 inch alloy, baby. You see? <laughs> I told you. Guaranteed the stereo is knocking too. Guaranteed the stereo mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah, you know, it goes from uh you know Captain Seats. Yeah, man, it goes from knocking that Moana to uh little Tupac, depending on who's in the car. But you know, it just <laughs> you know, it, it it all depends, it all depends. No, you know, I got you know, we're ending on a high note, and I just want to say a couple things. Number one, um, you know, you heard from uh knee uh love and Italo and myself on this discussion. And one of the things that I am most proud of in all of this is the fact that, again, we started this off talking about how long me and I have been friends uh, and supporting each other. But, you know, we got three ED docs on here. I remember when Love was a med student coming up to me talking about he wanted to do EM and then came to me and did a away rotation as a medical student at my shop, you know, helped them secure that strong letter of rec. He matched in residency and now was an EM doc and doing leadership, right? Italo, I met him when he was a post back, when he was talking about that failure and that gap, that struggle and work with them through med school, work with him in the application phase for, for, for residency. He's an EM doc. I'm, you know, so proud of the fact that, you know, not just the four of us, right? Um, but the rest of us with the T4D have this family um, that we can come together and we can joke on each other, but we can also support each other. And so that's the flex because we're, you know, the, the mentors. It's almost that have like been super on the, friends. Yeah, we're the mentors that have been on the bus, the mentors uh, who have joined us since the pandemic. We're all a family, right? And we support each other. Um, so that's that's one flex. Um but then I think the other flex is the fact that we've been able to help so many people. Um, and I like to post my W's um, and, you know, just to get a message from a student saying, hey, I got into med school. Here's a picture of me in my white coat. Thank you, Tour for Diversity. Thank you for linking me with somebody to mentor me. I mean, that just gives me all the energy and motivation to keep doing what I'm doing um, because I know what we do works. And it matters. And so that's what I'm most proud of. So listen, I think that's the best way to end this up, to wrap this up. Um, Listen, everyone, you know, there's help out there. This is what's called virtual mentorship. Sometimes you may not even be able to have a tour for diversity come to your neighborhood or come to your school, but you can still connect with them. The way how you connect with them is through tourfordiversity.org. They're T4D on all areas of social media. All right. They're on Instagram. You guys on TikTok? Are we on TikTok yet? No, we're not there yet. I'm not. Is that, Alden dancing nah, yet? Nah, bro. Nah, nah bro. Alden's not dancing yet. Nah, they ain't, ain't, okay. ain't, ain't shucking and jiving. Yeah. Okay. We All do right. have a Snapchat, well, everywhere. but that's dead. <laughs> yeah. Snapchat. Okay. That's dead. Yeah, right. that's dead. So, so basically, every social media, uh, um, media, um, uh, medium out there, we are on there as T4D. But once again, the website is Tour. The number four diversity.org. And please share this episode, share all of these podcast episodes uh, with someone who you know can definitely benefit from this, right? Friends don't let friends pre med by themselves. That's what my wife, Dr. Renee, says. And um, I think it's a really strong concept at this point. So I guess without further ado, we are going to bounce from this. 
Um, Dr. Stephen Bradley, is there anything else that we need to say on this? Hey, or Shout out to Dr. Bradley. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I... <laughs> oh, my God. My heart is full. Like, I don't... If you're listening, like, you don't... Uh, the stuff we went through tonight to get this recording, we got to pour some out for Dr. Ty Winters. He couldn't make it. Uh, you know, we got some incredibly prolific dudes that <laughs> set aside some time and were able to come. Love uh, Audible jumped on at the last minute. Italo was heading off to, to work, but they all came together to make it work because they truly care about this mission. Um, can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show. Uh, Dr. Nee Darko, if you didn't know, host of the Docs Outside the Box podcast, along with his wife, Dr. Renee. Um, check them out. Uh, talks about the fusion of medicine, money, and pop culture. Um, again, probably the, the godfather of Black physician podcasters. He's got a, a whole uh, discipleship, if you're, if you're interested in podcasting. Um, uh, he's the guy. Dr. Landry, I've watched from afar and see seen what he's he's doing out there in Boston. Incredible work, uh, love. He's been on the show before. Uh, was my uh, you know went to med school together. Um, I was able to see him grow. Would have never known that that he had these struggles because he he was so excellent. But these guys came on and just shared their hearts. Italo, I mean, this guy was at the White House last week. I think you know he just goes there every now, but. Thank you guys so much for coming uh, on the show. Please check out and support Tour for Diversity. Again, a portion of our proceeds for this season six is going to support the efforts that, that they're up to to increase diversity in the field of medicine and other healthcare-related fields. Um, with that, um, we'll, we'll, we'll tune in next week. Hey, we got one more to go with Tour for Diversity. Um, hope you've enjoyed this series. 